ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Well, ladies, welcome back to another episode of the No Higher Calling podcast. This is the second episode that we are doing in a month long or a year long, really, a monthly episode series on Titus 2 Talks with my spiritual mentor, Denise Palmer. So, Denise, thank you so much for joining me again. Thank you for having me. It's an honor, as always, to be here. Oh, goodness, the honor is all mine. And if you missed our first episode that we did in January, um, you probably want to go back and catch that before you build on this. Because as we move month through month, it's really just going to build and get deeper and deeper through the book of Titus through what God is showing us in this book. So if you haven't listened to that episode, you want to go back. That really laid a foundation. We did an overlook of the entire book of Titus, what God was showing us, what some of the foundational stuff is that out of this culture, out of this command to Titus, then God gives this command here in Titus 2. So as we dig into Titus 2, specifically in this episode and in future episodes, it helps so much. It's helped us, I think, in our study to really have an overview understanding of the book. So I just encourage you quick, if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and get that. But I'm going to just turn it over to Denise, let her give a little bit of a recap of some of that, whether you missed it or you just need a refresher. And again, really, this episode is going to build so much upon these foundational truths. Right, so what we learned the last time was that Paul has left Titus in Crete to set things in order. And a couple of verses about order in Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, let all things be done decently and in order. So God is a God of order. And God, through Paul, through Titus, are saying that things need to be God's way and in God's order. And we learn here in Titus, this book of Titus, that things in Crete are not in order. They're chaotic and they're confused. And we know from the scripture that God is not the author of confusion. That's in 1 Corinthians 14. And um, and then in James, for where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. So I think these two verses kind of, in a nutshell, um, uh, describe Crete. And then when we go down through chapter 1, in verses 10, we, we see unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially the religious, the circumcised leaders. In verse 11, um, they're teaching things that they ought not to be teaching for filthy lucre. They're gainsayers, and they're subverting whole households. In verse 14, they're full of Jewish fables and commandments of men instead of truth. In verse 15, their minds and conscience are defiled. Verse 16, they profess to know God, but in works they deny Him. And words like abominable, disobedient, and reprobate are used there. So, in a nutshell, that's Crete. And mm-hmm. here Titus has been dropped off into Crete to set things in order in this place. And then we come to chapter 2, and it begins with the word, but. But. You know, as for you, it's God is saying, and Paul is saying to Titus and to us as Christians, I want something different for you. Not what I described in chapter 1, but I want something different for you. And everyone has a role to play. Um, We need to live out the doctrine that we believe. Um, If we name the name of Christ, then we need to live it out. We need to look like Christ. We need to live consistently. Yes, we're going to make mistakes, but we should have a habitual pattern of life that is consistent with our speech. And everyone needs to play their role. Um, We'll learn here in chapter 2, aged women, aged men, young women, young men, they're all included here. We have a pastor, um, and elders, you know, in every city. Everyone has a role to play. And so please, please play your role because the Lord is counting on us as Christians to, to play that role. Yes. Um, we buy this lie from the devil 
that our role as a mother, a grandmother, a wife, that that's not important. And when we believe the devil and think that that's not important, then that's when chaos and confusion erupts um, personally and nationally. Um, our world, we talked about this last time, could we be the reason why there's um, disorder in the world or in our community because we have not played our role as mothers and grandmothers and we've believed this lie from feminism. Um, so anyway, we need to. We don't need to be the weak link in the chain. Mm-hmm. We need to play our role. Yes. And uh, so it's like now in chapter two, we're, we're, we're changing. We're focusing in what our roles are and... Um, God is expecting something different from us Mm -hmm. that profess to know Christ. Yes. Well, I know last time we mentioned, and you and I had talked about this just individually, um, about this process of sanctification, how Mm -hmm. there is salvation and then there's this glorification, but that process in between is this sanctification. So you mentioned, okay, we're not going to be perfect, though we have been forgiven from our sins, but we should be living in a continual growth into Christ-likeness. Um, you know, I think our pastor says often that the Christian life is always advancing. Mm-hmm. We should always be moving forward. We should never we should never retreat, but we should never even just stagnate and stay where we're at. We should be growing in Christ. And I see that so much as we kind of transition into this episode, specifically talking about these aged women. You know, we mentioned again last time this pattern of good works. Um, It's just this whole idea that as you walk that road of your Christian life through that sanctification process, that your life becomes a pattern of good works. So as we dig really into verse 3 here in looking at these different characteristics, these things that have come to really be attached to the life of these aged women. Um, these are something that is that, that have become a pattern of how they live their life. Mm-hmm. It is something that is really rooted in their heart. You know, as I was studying through each one of these things, I feel like at the root, every, each of these four things listed in verse 3, when I was really digging into, okay, what is, what is the heart of this? What is the root of this characteristic? How does this develop in one's life? And it all starts in the heart. If these aren't things that you have solidified in your heart, then it's not going to be something that you pattern your outward life after that then the young women can glean from. So we're going to try to move through these episodes really building on, you know, there's, again, God is a God of order. There's even an order to how he has written his word, to how he has said, okay, this first, and then this, and then mm-hmm. this. And we want to mm-hmm. draw all of that out as we start here with these aged women, talking about these different characteristics and different things that God has said has become a pattern in their life, building upon that. You know, that word pattern, um, I looked that word up, it, mm-hmm. the Greek word. And of course, I, I cannot pronounce it, but I think it's two posts. <laughs> I'd love T-U-P-O-S. to hear you try. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and um, anyway, it means a die or a stamp or a scar. A die. And my husband um, comes from a machining background and a machining family. And they have a die cast shop and they make these dies. And I would kind of liken that to a cookie cutter. Something I might understand a little bit better, but that die is a model. It's a shape, and it's it's used for production. So they'll make that first die, and then they can they can just crank out, you know, a thousand parts, two thousand parts, whatever. And the same way with a cookie cutter, you know, we can make many cookies that are in the shape of a star Mm -hmm. from this die, from this um, from this model, and. But what I found interesting when I was reading about this, it said that a die is something that is strengthened from being pummeled or receiving receiving repeated blows. So you see a metal worker that's hammering that metal. And, you know, life does that to us. We receive blows from and pummeling from um, trials and tribulations in our life. And that can break us or move us away from God or that can strengthen us mm-hmm. and and cause us you know allowing the Lord to mold us into a die a model an example or a pattern 
that is to be imitated or followed and it's fashioned under after something so that something else can be made it could be replicated and it is fashioned after the real thing and so when I was studying just that word pattern I thought that's exactly when God allows trials and tribulations in our life that's what he's doing he's molding us he's making us into a die that is an example for others to follow and and it's a pattern after the real thing he's molding us to look like his son Jesus Christ and so I love that and I thought you know with time and age is where where that comes from Mm -hmm. you know that that doesn't happen overnight so that's why this is a charge to the aged women you have to have some time on uh, on your side and you have to have lived some life and been through some trials and tribulations to be molded and fashioned into the image of the Lord not perfect I'm not saying perfect by no means do I think that I'm perfect but I do think that I look more like the Lord today than I did five years ago mm-hmm. and by the grace of God, hopefully five years from now, I'll look even more like him. So that pattern of good works is a die, is a model, it's an example, it's a pattern. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Yes, that well, I'm even thinking, I've been having almost that, exa- that same exact conversation, very different wording with my kids. So we've been reading through this book, The Little Pilgrim's Progress. Oh, yes. And it's it's been wonderful. Um, but it takes the story, John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, and just writes it in a little bit easier to understand, right. and all the characters are animals. But it's been interesting. We So we finished Christian's journey. We're now into Christiana's. But in walking through Christian's journey, picturing the Christian mm-hmm. life, um, it's opened up so many opportunities for conversation. But one of them has really been what you were just saying, where the kids and I, once Christian got to the celestial city, and we've looked back on his journey and we tried to I tried to show them the parallels of this is what we can learn here about our Christian life but seeing that when Christian first started out there were a lot of things that tripped him up or got him off the path that were just foolish choices you know but the longer he traveled in the way of the king the more experience he had the more he lived through things where, okay, yes, I messed up, but I got back on the right path and continued on, one, he was strengthened. He was able to later on in the journey say, okay, whoa, I'm not even going to listen to this person because I know what happened way back when I listened mm-hmm. to Folly or Vainglory. Mm-hmm. Or as other people joined Christian, you know, I'm thinking he had faithful for a long time and then faithful was martyred and then came in hopeful and you know hopeful was not near as experienced in his journey so christian was able being further down the path further in that sanctification process christian was able to bring hopeful along and help hopeful in points where hopeful would have gotten off the path hopeful right. would have turned but christian said no this is what i've learned this is what i know to be true mm-hmm. about the king this is what i know to be true about the wicked prince and we have to following the past. So that's just in, in my current stage of life, something that practical that I just, I see that. And that's what I see in this pattern that God is challenging and and telling these women, Hey, you have walked through life. You've experienced some things. Don't let that be a waste. Right. Don't let those trials just be a sad chapter of your story. Learn what I wanted you to learn internalize that for yourself let god become more real to you and then pass that on use that bring other people along well and you mentioned that the christian life is an advancing life Mm -hmm. it's also an ascending life and for the older woman we get caught up sometimes in my body really is moving toward decay and it's wearing out you know my heart only has so many beats and one day it's going to beat its last beat. And I'm closer to it today than I was yesterday. And so we get so caught up in my this outer shell, this human flesh that's decaying and moving toward death. But our inner man, our soul, should be ascending, mm-hmm. should be growing, should be looking more like Jesus. Um, 
I, I should be fulfilling my purpose for which God created me more and more and more with each passing day. That's the ascending life. I'm becoming stronger inside where I can't lift the weight that I once did, but I'm stronger on the inside from these trials and these tribulations. And my understanding of the Lord is increasing. It's ascending. And I'm adorning. I should be adorning the attributes of God and ascending in that way and producing um, the fruit of the Spirit, ascending to looking like Christ. And so we need to focus on that as aged women, not, oh, poor, pitiful, look at this sagging skin and and these um, bags under my eyes and all of that sort of thing, but really looking at the inner man Mm -hmm. and how it's ascending um, toward eternal life. Well, I think it's Evangelist Scott Pauley that said that you know, in our Christian life here on this earth, we will never be sinless, right. but we should sin less yes. as we walk this road of sanctification. Oh, and I think that's a really good picture of what we're seeing. These aged women aren't perfect, right. you know, and they might from time to time offer advice or say things or, you know, and that's why God gives these, hey, you know, teach, teach good things. Remember, focus, you know, stay right. in my word. But just that idea that it, it should be a becoming more and more of our lives as we follow God's way that yeah as we pursue Christ likeness we should be able to see marked Christ likeness in our lives exactly we should be in behavior yes. as becometh holiness exactly great transition <laughs> yeah. so let's look at that let's get into this third verse and look at these different things that characterize the life of an aged woman so we'll just start be in behavior as becometh holiness okay so holiness, what is that? We, we define that word um, reverent and blameless, um, purity or integrity of moral character, sanctified, set apart. Um, we've got some good verses here that, that, um, that talks about this, but this behavior as becometh holiness, that is something that comes with time, that comes in the sanctification process. Uh, Romans 12, 1, 2 talks about, um, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Um, God tells us that we are to be holy because he is holy. Mm-hmm. And as you just said, I'm never going to be sinless here, but I hopefully by the grace of God going to be sinning less. And I'm going to be moving toward holiness. And that should permeate in my mm-hmm. behavior um the things that i say um the way i react when trials or um um you know things come my way or or, or i'm attacked or, or or whatever you know someone says something about me or whatever how i react to those things my behavior should be um holy more holy than it ever was um so it's just living this life in a constant awareness of God. He is with me everywhere I go. He hears everything I say. He sees everything that I do. There's nowhere I can go that escapes his notice. And so living in that conscious awareness um, should help us in our behavior. But honestly, you know, the experiences also factor into that. We have to practice that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we mentioned the last time that we need to purpose in our heart what we're going to do when yes. when the trials come and when these attacks um, on our Christianity or someone who knew me in, in high school says, oh, you've really not changed. You're not, you know, you're not that kind of person. I need to know what I'm going to do when those things come. I need mm-hmm. to purpose that in my heart. But then I also need to have practice doing it because you know you you know the best laid plans in our head they never come out <laughs> like I, I imagine that so differently yes. and it never comes out that way so God gives us opportunities to practice mm-hmm. and you know it's from obedience to obedience faith to faith um, he'll he'll ask us to trust him and to obey in smaller things and when we are faithful and we do obey in those smaller things then when the big things when the bigger things come um we're going to handle them much differently we're going to be 
that's part of that ascending life and part of that sanctification process. So then we transition into not false accusers. And I, maybe if you could define for us here, what is a false accuser? Because I was, as I was studying this out, um, you know, first of all, just sins of the tongue in general came. And I know that can be an area that we as women really struggle with. But God really hones in and doesn't just say, guard your tongue or watch what you say. You know, he specifically says not false accusers. So that word, if you go back to the Greek word, um, and here I'll butcher the Greek again, diablos, D-I-A-B-L-O-S, that's the root word for devil. It's something very devilish. And, and so to be a false accuser um, is going to be used of the devil, someone who uses their mouth to um, further the devil's work. Okay? So, you know, when I think of a false accuser, it's a slanderer, someone who's slandering uh, someone's name, maybe a vendetta, you know, trying to get even, um, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back, that sort of thing. Holding a grudge and then engaging in malicious gossip where you're tearing someone's character down or um, you're damaging their reputation. And a lot of times we do this um, and we don't really think about what we're doing, but it kind of it's kind of this thought that if I push them down, then that elevates me. And we do that with our speech, and, and really all we're doing is we're acting devilish, mm-hmm. and we are delighting the devil, and we're hurting ourselves. Mm-hmm. That is not Christ-likeness, and that is not behavior. Uh, it's becoming holiness. That's just not the behavior that we should... Um, we should have as a Christ follower. Mm-hmm. So um, these older women, or aged women, I guess we should say um, with it, life experiences and, and we've experienced the gossip and how it's hurt us, um, we should know from Scripture and also from experience that doesn't feel good and that's not something we should engage in. And then, you know, we, we start trying to live a life to where we're not gossiping and where we're not um, talking about someone or damaging them or slandering or um, all of this speech that comes along with just degrading a sister in Christ or someone that's not in Christ. Mm-hmm. Our speech can speak volumes about what kind of person we are to an unbeliever. And... Um, our tongue can be used for kindness, mm-hmm. and it can be used for edification and glorification of God, or it can be used to just destroy. And this false accusers is some, is the work of the devil. And the tongue is so powerful. God talks about that really all throughout His Word. But it is amazing to me how, in so many other areas of life, you could be working to pattern your life after good works, but. It really only takes a moment with an unguarded tongue. Yes. With it. And I'm thinking, okay, so if you, when you said that Diablos, and that is, the, it's linking that false accuser to Satan himself. Mm-hmm. If I am not patterning my speech in this accordance, this pattern of good works, then that means that I'm patterning it after something else. Mm-hmm. And right here, it's saying you're patterning after the example of Satan, of the devil. And I don't want that of my life. But how often do I not think that deep about it? Right. And, you know, you just, you off the cuff, you say something. I'm thinking Eden. She's five. And, you know, there's been some things with some of the girls in her class that we've had to work through about the tongue. You know, that was not kind. That, you know, you shouldn't call somebody that name or, you know, but I'm, and it's been interesting for us to kind of be in the realization of, hey, it doesn't, it starts very young with girls, you know, but then even just thinking about, okay, where it stems, if we don't, if me as the mom here in, in that relationship, I am very much the aged one. If I'm not patterning Christ-like speech to my little one, you know, and it's just, I think our tongue is so important. And, you know, as I said, God says that in his word, how how dangerous the tongue can be if we let it be out of control. Sometimes we learn that from the environment that we come out of. Um, if our, say, our parents or 
or whoever we maybe grew up with um, have these outbursts of anger or they have a habit of lying or a habit of gossiping or and, and we just we just kind of pick that up mm-hmm. and we adopt that as well this is the way everyone is you know and we're born sinners mm-hmm. and so as you said with Eden it's come out it comes out in a very early age um, we don't have to be taught how to sin, but we pick it up sometimes and we don't even realize that we have that mm-hmm. um, that issue, perhaps. But I know in my own life, God reveals through Scripture and through the study of His Word, He'll reveal these um, these these things that we have in our life that needs to be burnt away. Mm -hmm. He will refine us and he will very specifically say in your mind, he will tell you, you need to watch your tongue. You need to bridle your tongue. Mm -hmm. You have a habit of gossiping or a habit of lying or whatever. He will identify the Holy spirit will identify those. And then it's up to us to obey and to go to get up, repent, Mm -hmm. get up. And from that point forward, start living this life of holiness mm-hmm. to move toward not being a gossip, not being a liar. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it's a journey. Yeah. And, and I know that some, um, I, I, I can think of a few people that just have had a habit, a habit of lying, a habit of gossiping. It just flows mm-hmm. from them. And so um, it's not impossible. As a matter of fact, it we have to, we have to have, um, control in this area we have to surrender that to the holy spirit and let mm-hmm. him change us in this area we have to because there's no fruit from this it's all from the devil there's no fruit from it and it's it's not edifying and it's not it's not behavior becoming holiness and i think again tying those two together building upon this foundation when we live a life in this conscious constant awareness of christ that should change how we speak Mm -hmm. because Christ is a present person there hearing every single word, you know? And so then we, we move on to this not given to much wine. Well, you know, it's pretty specific here. (laughs) We're talking about wine here. Yes. Alcoholic beverage. And definitely, um, we don't need to be, um, drinking and, um, allowing that to impair our judgment in any way. Um, the much wine is what a lot of women get hung up on. It's kind of like they're wanting to know how close to sin can I get without sinning? Where's the edge of the cliff? Cause exactly. I'm going to go a couple feet back. <laughs> right. Right. But then I have to ask myself, um, why is Paul telling Titus or why is Titus spelling this out? Not giving too much wine to these aged women. What? What could be going on at this time? Uh, what's going on in the culture? What's going on that he would specifically have to s- mention this, yes. not given too yeah. much wine? And so, um, you know, when we think about the Christian women um, and that culture, it was a hard life. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a lot of harshness and bitterness. Um, they, they have to grow their food. They have to thresh that wheat. They have to make their meal I mean if you don't fish you don't eat mm-hmm. um, there this is a culture of arranged marriages mm-hmm. and um, so it could perhaps be maybe a, a not a good marriage you know um, who knows but it was a very harsh time a very bitter time um, and so these older women and I think I got this from a commentary and this you know could be um, from their study of culture, but these women would use wine to escape reality, to to escape the harshness and the bitterness of li- of life. And so um, now we have washing machines, and we have Kroger, and we have you know you can have your groceries delivered to your front porch now. I mean, it's just amazing. And you think, well, what what can be so harsh and bitter in our world? But for some reason, we still try to escape reality with wine mm-hmm. or um, drugs, anxiety medications, depression medications. And I'm not trying to be anti-medicine or anything. You know, I'm not um, saying that. And I'm sure that some people may have some sort of chemical imbalance and need mm-hmm. something. 
But how often do we use those things to escape reality and use those things to meet a need that only God is supposed to meet? Mm -hmm. He is the Prince of Peace. And we need peace. We need to go to Him. And um, if we need comfort because we're grieving or, you know, there's a trial or tribulation in our life, we go to Him, the great comforter. Mm-hmm. Um, we do not need to use these substitutes for the things that only He can provide because we know that wine and drugs lead to other things um, and they take you further than you want to go. And But God meets the need perfectly. Mm-hmm. And only He, the only God, the Holy Spirit, can just meet it perfectly and um, and just be blessed by it. Mm-hmm. You know, the outcome is for our good and for His glory, not to destruction, not leading on a road to destruction. Um, I'm even thinking, that, again, with the pattern and some of this, these habitual things that can work their way into your life. Obviously, alcohol, wine, that is one thing that does tend Mm -hmm. to take over and control and really bring you into bondage. So I'm thinking as God's giving this command to these aged women, to these older women, I'm thinking even as just the young woman, you know, the example that I need set Mm -hmm. in a godly woman. Um, I don't drink, but I know there's moms in my age group that are in my stage of life that think, oh, we can just get to the end of the day, bath and wine, then I've made it. You know, I haven't thought that, but I have thought if I can just get to the bath, you know. But as I pray through that, as I think through that, I'm realizing that those days where I feel like I need this escape, Mm -hmm. my priorities were completely off-balanced. I was very me-centered. I was very... um, Okay, crazy example, but I'm doing this workout class that my midwife recommended for my pregnancy. And and it's great. It's strengthening my body. But they have this slow down routine. And this lady encourages you to let go of anything that did not serve you during the day. Mm -hmm. And the first time I heard that, I thought, nothing served me today. I'm the one that changed the diapers and cleaned the messes and made the food. And, you know, I served everybody else. And, but it, it made me think through this perspective change. I can focus on all the ways that I wasn't served and how mm-hmm. I deserve this mm-hmm. or I need an escape. Or I can focus on this is the ministry that God has called me to and it is the best thing that I can do for my good and for his glory. Now, does that mean that I'm immediately not going to be tired or overwhelmed with the stresses of the day or ready to collapse into bed? No, but my heart and my focus is completely different where I don't need to escape from this. There's nowhere I'd rather be than in the center of God's will. And Mm -hmm. this is what it looks Mm -hmm. like for me. Um, but, but in thinking again, linking the younger to these aged women, you know, I, In working through those things in my own heart, I need to be able to look to women who have gone further, who have experienced more, who have not only lived through the exhaustion of raising kids, but who are now, you you talked about in that stage of the body just doesn't work like it needs to. The last thing that my generation needs is to look up and see, well, if they can't make it through all of this, then sure, you know, we might as well just throw in the towel. Right. You're looking for someone who has victory. Yes. In that. Yes. And, um, you know, anything that we use um, instead of God Mm -hmm. to bring us comfort or peace or whatever, that is not God's purpose. That is not God's design. That's not part of the sanctification. Um, It could just be, you know, it could be food. Mm -hmm. It could be binge watching uh, TV or movies or something like that. Um, Work. It could be work. I, I escape in my work, and I don't have to go home and deal with that um, marriage, those marital problems, or those problems with our children, or whatever. And it could even be hobbies, exercise, passions. You know, any of these things that we that we use to substitute. Not only do they not fulfill, mm-hmm. and it's not the way God designed it, but they. Um, they become an idol. It's worse. It becomes worse. It becomes an idol in our life, something that we just think that we can't live without, and we become enslaved to that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, 
in looking at the aged women, I everything I do, I just I feel like somebody's watching. Not only is God watching, but someone else is watching that as well. And I want to give a good image of God. You know, I want to I want to say there's victory in the Christian life. There is um, yes, there's trial and tribulation, but you can overcome. Mm-hmm. It, not in your own flesh, not in your own way, but you can. You can walk this journey. You can. You can do this, mm-hmm. but it's a it's a life of surrendering to God. You can't do it in your own flesh, and you can't do it your own way. It has to be done God's way, and it has to be in the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so we learn. That's why that part, the inner man, the soul, is ascending, looking more and more like the Lord. That's the only way that we can have victory. And so all of these things that we use as substitutes for the Holy Spirit, bringing, you know, trying to use things and things of the devil to bring comfort and joy and peace and and, and ascension mm-hmm. and sanctification and holiness and they're they're substitutes and they're they fall short and if we're not careful they can become idols. Mm-hmm. Well, and we've talked before. Actually, I think our our first Bible study together was digging into lies that Satan tries. And he does a good job of painting them oh, yes. as desirable as if you can just believe in this, right. then your problems go away. But I'm thinking about this verse here in verse 10, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. And I know you brought that out. And I've been thinking on that word adorn. But in living this victorious life and living out the beauty of the doctrine of God in all things, in going through the seasons, going through the trials and doing it God's way and gaining this victory. There's such a beauty in that. There is something that is that sets that apart. It is a very different outcome to see a person, especially the aged person, the mature person, the person that has walked the road of life, to see somebody who is still anchored in Christ, who is still rooted in Christ, who is living victoriously in spite of sorrows that might have happened years ago, but they carry that grief or whatever, then to see somebody who has accepted Satan's lies and who has allowed an escapism mentality. You know, it's just in thinking, what do I want in, you know, two decades, three decades? What do I want my life to look like? And those... The ones that do um, go into the escapism and they they tend to become harsh and hardened and um, unapproachable. Yeah, yeah. And and honestly, who wants to be around that? Yeah. You know, who wants to? Um, I mean, it it just doesn't. It, that's not a good friend. No one really wants to be in that kind of relationship, and it just doesn't serve us well, our family well, or even our community. Mm-hmm. You know, if we want to look at this from a national um, perspective, I mean, we have a lot of that victim mentality yeah. right now. Well, and it keeps you from fulfilling God's intended purpose right. for you. Right. And anything that does, I'm trying to teach that to my little ones, anything that derails you from fulfilling his right. purpose for you right. is not in your best interest. And our it purpose is not for your good. is to glorify God. Yes. And that harshness and all of it, none of that glorifies God. And and it renders us useless. Mm-hmm. We are useless to the Lord when we are just hardened and harsh and, and woe is me all the time. And um, But when you stay focused on the Lord, there's a softness there. There's a joy. You can see it no matter how old and wrinkled a face may be. You can see it in their eyes. And when they start speaking, they speak with such confidence and such peace. And you're just like, oh, you know, there's just a calm that comes over the conversation. And a warrior who has learned um, the value of of using the tools that God has given um, and has proven him faithful time and time again, picking those tools up, putting that armor on, surviving the battle, and not just surviving, but thriving, Mm -hmm. thriving as a Christian. And then, I mean, 
we're looking for that. I'm looking for that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I, the next chapter of my life, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm looking to aged women to help me with that. Mm-hmm. I want to be victorious and I want to please my Lord. He's done so much for me. I owe him everything. Mm-hmm. And so I want to be pleasing in his sight and, um, and I want to glorify him with my very last breath. And so I need help. I need someone that's been, that's a little further along. I need to watch them, not the harsh ones that are, or the ones who want to escape somewhere and not engage in the war, Mm -hmm. but someone who is fighting till the very end. Um, I want that in my life. And I know you do, and and many women do. And so that's what we've, these are the qualifications. Mm -hmm. These are the things that we need to look for in aged women. And while you know, I have friends that are kind of edgy and harsh and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I enjoy their company a little bit or whatever, but that's not who, that's not who I do life with. Mm-hmm. That's not who I go to, um, when I need prayer and when I need a uh, friendship, mm-hmm. a deep conversation, that's not who I go to. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I use that word, you know, there's different levels of friends. That's kind mm-hmm. of a superficial friend. But those deep, um, heart-connected, yeah. knitted-together sisters, that's who, uh, in these hard questions and these hard things in life, that's who we go to. That's who we want to do life with. Yes. And we all need that, no matter what our age is. We need that one that's just a little bit further along than us mm-hmm. um, to to pair up with or to emulate to be that pattern of good works. We, we need that die. We need that pattern. Mm-hmm. All of us, no matter what age we are. And of course we get that from the scripture and, but it's just really nice to have a person, you know, somebody mm-hmm. with flesh on and somebody right here that you can sit down and have a conversation with. Um, it's just a bonus that God gives us in a good godly friend. Mm-hmm. So then the last one would be teachers of good things. So these teachers to young women, because this is the only place here that that there's a specification. You know, the older men, the aged men, were not told to teach the young men. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the pastor, the the bishop, the elders, the you know the the pastors of these churches in all these cities, they are, you know, the ones that's in charge of setting things in order and keeping things in order. But specifically here, aged women are to teach the young women these good things. Okay. And so we know who the audience is. We know that it's younger women. Um, but what are these good things? And of course the Bible's full. Uh, Timothy writes about these in, in his books at any instruction from the Bible, um, the church epistles, any, the Bible. Well, and it comes back to really that first verse too. Speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Yes. You know, that wasn't just given, I was reading this morning, that wasn't just linked with the aged men there, but it says the aged women likewise. Lies. So it's linking yes. back to yes. what do you teach? What are the good things? You know, oh, what resources do I need? What books do I need? And everybody knows I love books, but... God's saying his word, the sound doctrine we are to teach is the Bible. Right. As long as we teach the Bible, Mm -hmm. we'll never run out of something to teach. Yes. The Bible has it all. Mm -hmm. It has everything that we need. Um, We may have to dig a little deeper and look at, you know, and really ponder and meditate upon the word, but it's all there. And then we have the teacher, the Holy Spirit that dwells mm-hmm. within us that can lead us into all understanding. Yeah. So um, so the good things, anything in the Bible, um, teachers specifically to uh, the younger women. And, you know, young women and older women should never be separated, mm-hmm. like a young women's class and an older women's class. And that might be good on occasion, but by and large, for the most part, we should have younger women and older women together mm-hmm. so that you have that model, that you have that pattern um, for good things, for good works. Um, but you may also have some models of not good works. Mm-hmm. And we can learn from that. You yes. know, I don't want to pattern my life after that, as you said in Pilgrim's Progress, what you're. Um, children are learning so um, we should always be together um, learning 
learning from the older ones, learning, you know, from the younger ones too. Like I've said in the past, um, you helped me so much with things that, um, that I don't know, you know, or things, a reminder. Sometimes I forget and I need to be reminded of some basic things, you know, what the Lord has done um, in my life. And, you know, we even see that in, when we get on to chapter three, um, that Paul's reminding Titus of what he was and who we were before Christ yes. and what we are after Christ. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, we need that reminding and that can come from someone who's younger also, you know, so I just, I, I think that we need to be together and we need to learn from each other. Our, our pastors um, lead the church and they preach and teach the Bible to all of us in the church. And then our older aged women are working and doing life with these younger women. And there's a teaching model that um, I've used for children and it's tell me, show me, let me. Okay, and so we tell our children how to do something or what to do, and then we show them how to do it, and then we let them do it and get that experience and that practice. Well, that also kind of applies with an aged woman and a younger woman. We tell them God's order and what the Bible says. We learn that in um, that first verse of chapter 2, speak the things which become sound doctrine. And we do that in love from Ephesians 4.15. We speak Mm -hmm. the truth in love. Never harsh, never, you know, turning someone away, but in love. And it's a loving thing to help someone see where they're wrong. And it is not loving to let someone get by with bad behavior. We don't do that for our children, and we don't do that for our friends either. And it's just that iron sharpening iron um, action there. And then we show them. So maybe some of the things that they don't know how to do, we model that. We we are pattern that. We model these good things before them. Um, as you mentioned, chapter 2, verse 10, adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. Mm-hmm. In all things. So we show them what that looks like. We model. And then we let them. We walk through life with these young women. We uh, walk beside them. We let them, you know, run their household and 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 love on their husbands and love their children and all these things that we're going to get to. Um, but as as they run into problems or issues or whatever, we're right there um, beside them, first of all, praying for them, praying for their um, for whatever God is wanting to teach them through the trial and through the circumstance. Mm-hmm. So we pray for them, we pray with them, we check in on them, how's it going? How's it you know, how's things going and, um, you know, where are you struggling? How can I help you pray for that? And, and then maybe offer some advice from past experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe intervene at that, at that point, just teaching the word of God, but also where God showed himself faithful in your own personal experience. Um, so that's something we can do and then encourage and strengthen uh, with words of affirmation and, you know, you, you are going to get through this. You know, the Lord is victorious. He's won the war. This little battle is something that he wants to show you more about himself, but he, you know, think about your future, where we're headed. So those at words of affirmation from the Bible and just reminding us of what we have in salvation, in the love of Christ, what we were before Christ and what we were after Christ. So um, all of these things, that's part of that let me. The younger are living their life and they're going through life, but this older woman comes beside and is there um, as a model, as an example, as a shepherd or a mentor. Um, And when I say shepherd, you know, just kind of in a modeling sense, Mm -hmm. the pastor is always our shepherd. Yes. But in the Lord is our high shepherd, mm-hmm. but we're, we're all, we can be all of these things to those that are coming behind us in the sanctification journey. So just tell me, show me, let me, I tried to remember that, um, make sure that they know what the word of God says, show them by modeling, you know, by being a pattern that they can follow and then, um, let them, 
you know, as they do life, just be there as a consultant, I guess, mm-hmm. or as a as a friend, as a praying sister in Christ, yeah. allowing God to knit our hearts together. And, you know, we talked about that last time. How does this come about? Well, the Lord does it when we pray and he knows that we're seeking this. He knows that we know we need this. He's taught this. He's mm-hmm. it's in his word. It is his pattern. It is his order of things. So he knows we need it. And when we desire the things that he desires for us, he's not going to keep that away from us. Mm-hmm. So we get involved. We get involved in our church. We get involved in um, you know, our neighborhood. What wherever, and knowing what we should be looking for, knowing what the qualifications of an, uh, a proper aged woman mm-hmm. is for our life, um, God will bring them to get, bring you together. He'll, he'll just start, you'll start talking, you'll have something in common. And the next thing you know, your hearts are knitted together in this sisterly love. Mm-hmm. And that, that friendship and that relationship that's described here in Titus 2 is formed. It's really a, a miracle of God. Yes. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Well, that was great. And I feel like that, in the first episode, we laid so much of the foundation of the book of Titus. This really transitions us into specifically honing in on these Titus two women. This lays a good foundation for this aged woman. From here on out, we are going to really just take one episode and focus on these things that the older is to teach the younger. Again, all with this foundation. And I'm thinking, you know, it it ends here. Our last thing was teachers of good things. To teach is to instruct, and to instruct is to impart knowledge. So as we go through, maybe with a little more of a young woman emphasis throughout these coming episodes it still ties back to this aged woman because you are not going to be able to impart knowledge on how to love your husband or how to love your children or how to be sober if that isn't something that you have patterned your life after, if you haven't ordered your life in that. So that's kind of where we're headed, wherever you fall on that aged young spectrum. God's word has what we all need. And it's amazing to me as we do these episodes, as I get feedback the way that the Holy Spirit just, you know, this person said, I needed this, I needed this, I needed this, and all of it together, God's word never returns void, and it just speaks to each of us in the way that Amen. we need to hear from the Lord. So thank you so much for joining me for this episode. I'm going to close us in prayer, and then we'll join you ladies next month. Yes. Father, I thank you again for your word. I thank you for the clarity that you gave to the commands that you have left for us. Lord, I pray that you will help each one of us to be serious about patterning our life according to you, about investing sound doctrine into our heart, and then just letting that spill over as we try to minister to the women that you've put in our sphere of influence. I pray that you will help us to obey you in this area. Give us opportunities to um, to walk in obedience to this command. In Christ's name I pray, amen. I hope that this episode has brought much glory to Christ, encouraged your heart, and strengthened you to be the wife and mother that God has created you to be. Thanks for listening.